You are listening to The Illustration Conversation, a podcast that explores the potential of illustrative practice as a tool to discover our identities. The podcast features an organic and meandering dialogue between illustrators at different stages of their journey. So we invite you now to get comfortable wherever you are and drift through the memories and moments that transformed our guests into the practitioners that they are today. Hello and welcome to the Illustration Conversation podcast. My name's Maisie Noble. I am a practicing illustrator and also a senior lecturer and year one leader on BA illustration and visual media at London College of Communication. So this podcast aims to explore our discipline from different perspectives, bringing together students and industry practitioners to join in conversation about what it's like to be a practicing illustrator today. We aim to demystify the nature of contemporary illustration and learn more about how it can be an empowering tool for the liberation of our identities and cultures. So we've paired up some of our students and recent graduates with a practitioner that they aspire to, and we've asked each of them to create an image that signifies a crucial moment on their journey to becoming illustrator. Through meandering and organic conversation, we hope to unpick these images and understand the important moments in our contributors' lives that led them down their chosen paths. You can see these images on the podcast cover art and via the links in our show notes. On today's episode, we will be joined by illustrator and ceramic artist Fred Anderson. Fred operates under the studio name Freddie Lanka and is the director of the Queer Youth Art Collective. Fred, I'm going to hand over to you to elaborate a little bit more on who you are and what you do. My name is Fred. Um, uh, I'm an illustrator and ceramicist. Uh, I'm from Sweden originally, but I've been based in London for the past it's like eight years now, I realized the other day, which is longer than I thought. I thought it was seven. And yeah, I'm uh, uh, a gay, queer person, uh, very invo- involved in the community in London and UK. And on top of my like commercial practice, I also run uh, a youth group called Queer Youth Art Collective, which is like a weekly meetup for LGBT young people aged 18 to 26. Uh, and we just offer free accessible workshops with practicing artists and just like hoping to build people's like confidence in the arts outside of the context of university. Thank you so much, Fred, for that wonderful introduction. And you were invited onto the podcast today by Katerina. So Katerina is a recent graduate of BA Illustration and Visual Media. And I've seen Katerina's work evolve a lot over the last few years. This year, she's mainly focused on very audience-centered branding and advertising work um, with uh, elements of graphic design and moving image as well. So Katerina, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself and your work? Yeah, sure. So, hi, I'm Katrina. Um, Katrina Bernardi. Uh, I just finished illustration and visual media in the London College of Communication. And I work mainly as a graphic designer, um, but also illustrate motion graphics pretty much. 
all-around kind of visual communicator. Um, yeah. That's great. Thank you both so much for introducing yourselves. So in preparation for this conversation, I asked you to create an image to kickstart the discussion. So more specifically, I asked you to create an image of a moment in your history that was pivotal on your journey to where you are now. Um, so Fred, let's start with you. Could you begin by describing the image that you made for us? And then I'll hand over to both of you to get to know each other a little bit better and to discover a little bit more about each other's work. Yeah, I can start. Um, <clears throat> so I um, thought quite a lot about like different moments. And I think like when you get like older and older, I guess you you notice that there's quite like a lot of like quite pivotal moments in your illustration journey. So I just decided to like pick one that I feel like really like stuck with me. It's like a fusion of like a lot of different moments, basically. But it was like when I applied for uni, I was working on my like uh, portfolio and I was doing all these like drawings. And I was kind of just like drawing whatever came to my mind. And I ended up drawing like quite a lot of like different things that I normally didn't do. Um, and I had a flatmate at the time and she was like, oh, no, I don't think you you should be drawing things like that. That's like too weird. Like, don't show that to people. Like, I don't think you should put that in your portfolio. Um, and I kind of just at that point, like I had been very like concerned about what other people thought about my drawings. But then I kind of just like thought, do you know what? Screw you. I'm just going to put this in my portfolio because like, I think this is funny and I think this is good. Um, so I did and I got into uh, uni and I think like, those decisions since then has kind of like just grown more and more, even like in university um, where you might be paired up with like tutors who don't necessarily get your sense of humor. Um, and I, just because they don't get your jokes doesn't mean that the jokes are bad. It just means that they might not be the audience for it. And like the same goes for like your illustration techniques and stuff and like the kind of stuff that you do. So I think that's like a good, choice and like power to have over yourself to know when to not listen to people um so that's why i drew the thing that i drew um <laughs> and then you have some little hints to like keith herring and like spider-man and hellboy comics in the background that's uh that's very nice i i, I didn't even notice the hints on the background it's really cool and yeah that's oh there's a lot of things about yeah that kind of, like when you were talking about your experience and like um I didn't get that exactly from the image like I didn't know that was the story behind I mean from from what you can see you can kind of get the hint of it being about you know like someone like you want to follow your style and what you want to talk about in your subjects that make you who you are and you want to express that through your illustration but then people are like oh that's not weird oh that's not nice which is it's it's not only kind of like invalidating to your art, but they're almost kind of like invalidating what you are and like what you're interested in saying like, oh, yeah, other people are not going to like it. Um, but knowing that that has to do with uh, when you were starting out and applying for uni is very interesting. And it reminded me of when I was applying for uni, which is something that didn't even cross my mind when I was making my my illustration. But I went through, I mean, uh, not something similar, more or less. But I remember when I was doing my interview, I, I, when I started out, and especially when I was applying to uni, 
I would do a lot of like, I did, I didn't have any client illustrations. It was pretty much just like my work and what I like to do. So I drew like a lot of women, a lot of like tattooed women and like lingerie and dancers and pinups and stuff like that. And the person who was interviewing me said, oh, if I uh, needed to draw like a group of burlesque dancers, I would definitely hire you. But if I needed to draw a young soccer team, I would not hire you. Mm. And I that kind of like stuck with me. I'm like, yeah, but like, I, I don't want to draw. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to yeah. be hired to draw like a young soccer team. I think that's quite like a it's a funny thing about um, <clears throat> how because drawing is like a craft and drawing like people yeah. if you can draw like one like body you can potentially probably like draw anybody and you can look at like references to get like information and that's kind of like to study how we like yeah. do research as illustrators I, I i always find it really confusing when someone like looks at okay i did a drawing of a cat let's say and then they've only mm-hmm. seen me draw a drawing of a cat but they can't even fathom the fact that i could also draw a dog yeah and they, it's like that like oh no like you know that you're the person that we hire for cat drawings because you draw cats uh, mm-hmm. because you don't draw anything else because we haven't seen it but we can't even imagine that that could be a thing yeah. so it's like a when you come into like commercial illustration that becomes like really a big part of it even though like if you take my uh illustration as example I draw like a lot of things that are like quite queer focused so mm-hmm. therefore I get like my biggest commissions during pride month because people yeah. can't they're like oh but Oh yeah, so Fred is the the LGBT illustrator, so we can only hire him for things that are like about LGBT things. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, you get in this like weird niche because like people can't even like look at the stuff that you do and think, oh, maybe they could also do these things because the style that they do is nice, but they like um, muddle it up in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get kind of like pinholed into your subject instead of your craft. Yeah. And yeah, it, 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 it's, it's very odd. And I remember that after that interview, I was doing this like studio practice with another artist. And then I decided to create my own soccer team, which was a drag soccer team. So mm. I just, <laughs> I drew a soccer team, like everyone in soccer, but everyone was in drag. So that was kind of like my way of subverting th- that thing, which is also it kind of relates to the to the illustration that I did for this, which is me kind of like putting eye makeup on uh myself and drawing like an eyeshadow, which is when like it was for a project in uni and I was kind of felt a bit limited of just doing like the the just the drawings itself and I felt like I realized that I could use illustration in a, like a broader sense that it not just include, you know, like pen to paper kind of things. And and that mainly got I got to that point, like through many briefs in uni that I was like, oh, this is not enough. Like I need to expand my view of what illustration is and use it to communicate what I want to. So in this project in particular, I filmed myself getting in drag while having a lot of like very uh, sexist uh, quotes from comedians talking about like stereotypes of women. And it was kind of like about creating your own, your own women, your own character kind of thing. But it was kind of that point. Those were one of the pivotal projects that kind of made me expand into what 
what illustration could be and how I could use it as a tool to communicate. That's really interesting. I find like, obviously, like, it's, there's this really old fashioned idea that illustration means pen and paper only. And like mm-hmm. stepping outside of that, like what, I guess like the the nice thing about like when I studied at, because I studied at Camberwell and the good thing about like that, our like Tudor stair stuff, they kind of, it's more about like we, I think we learned more about like the mentality of illustration, necessarily more than like the industrial part of it. Mm-hmm. And it really like teaches you like different like applications and like where even like just the mindset of like drawing goes rather than just like just thinking of like pen and paper and like thinking of like just the mark making and different techniques of like drawing and where that can lead you but it's kind of I'm quite happy for that experience because when I came into uni I had this like very like small minded view of what I was going to be able to do after having done this degree Um, and I think I was very focused on like working just in industry being hired by like an advertisement office and then just doing like illustrations for them but like my time at Camberwell also cons- together with like my discovery of like my queer identity kind of just like empowered me enough to feel like the ideas that I have for myself are also worth something and I can apply that in different ways whether it's like comics community organizing ceramics uh supporting like other groups using my art and like what that means but I also like the like twisted it and like focus it. I like the idea of like using drag because also like drag has always been so like excluded from like women to use because it's mm-hmm. so focused on like gay men. But then like the people that should have the most right of it are like the people that live under like real misogyny because like drag as like female drag is all about like exaggerating the expectations of being like a woman in today's society. And I think that's quite like a, it's quite like nice to see that you like use that uh, as a part of it and just like took that for your own as well. Yeah, that that was basically the 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 point of like doing the the project, kind of like exaggerating that things and making it, you know, like oh, if you say we wear too much makeup, now I'm gonna wear too much makeup, kind of thing. But what I thought interesting. So, do you think that it was through your course because you said you work a lot with ceramics? Did you say it was through your your degree really helped you kind of broaden the view? Was that was that the time that you got into ceramics and how do you think like that yeah um, kind of explore your let you expand your craft yeah I kind of like when I was working on my final project which was this book which is like an autobiographical project about my family I was sitting in front of the computer so much and I was kind of just like so fed up with that just like staring at a screen all the time which is really funny because now I do digital illustration uh, almost exclusively so now I'm just like always on a computer but I was kind of fed up with that time. And it's kind of like a silly story, but my friend in uni, she came <laughs> and she wanted me to go down to ceramics to, so I could like use my gay dog to find out if the new technician was a homosexual like me. So I like followed her down. Uh, and in this like studio, uh, I ended up like knowing the person who had started working there from like years before, which was someone that I knew from like, having like a, an online friendship when I was like 20 and I was like 28 at the time. So like eight years down the line, this person had moved from America to London and started working at the same uni as me who had moved from like the north of Sweden to come and study illustration. So it was just this like really funny interaction where we just both saw each other and started like laughing because we both recognized each other immediately. And I think because of that, I kind of like decided to like 
hang out there a bit more now that we like were like in close proximity of each other so we became friends and he like taught me like the basics of ceramics and then I kind of just got very into it because it was so different from working on a screen so for anyone who's listening who knows who Jonathan Armistead is that's a just a shout out for him um, he's been very <laughs> important for my creative practice uh, in many different ways Mm -hmm. And you think like it's it's interesting because I guess when you get to explore like different medias that you really see the kind of like the breath that you can do with like commu visually communicating to people mm. and you kind of get a chance because uh, you kind of get the chance to create your own world but in different shapes and I guess like with ceramics it must be like a, a 3D shape which is different than usually just seeing things 3D and especially when everything is so digital like seeing things in print or seeing things mm. in in like a, another dimension really makes your work kind of like you see it in a different way you kind of like get more like a, a shape of it I'm very much like when it comes to the idea of like intent in illustration And if you like do a lot of things on Instagram and you have like a lot of followers, I, I tend to get like a lot of messages from people being like, oh my God, could you, could you make that drawing into a t-shirt or could you make that into a print or could you make that into this? And I have quite like a, a hard line for how I like use the different images that I've done. And I tend to like, if I want to make a print, I draw something for the sake of it being a print because I have the idea in my, the back of my head that what it, it will look like on a wall rather than just a doodle that I do for myself and like a funny drawing that is technically drawn with the intent of going up on social media. And there's quite like a big difference between that and the same goes with like what image goes on a ceramic and why is it funny to make it into like a household object like a pot and why is it funny to make it into more like a fine art sculpture Um, and I think that's like something that I kind of wish that like more illustrators would kind of like think about instead of just opening up like a, a merch shop where like everything can be either a t-shirt print, a pillow, a mug, and it's like also just using like production processes there. You don't have any clue on what the ethics behind it actually are and like the quality of the things are. So I guess that's something that I like think about quite a lot when I like make my things when I decide what something should be mm -hmm. as well yeah when you when you're creating something you definitely need to always have in the back of mind like where is this going who is this going to like who's gonna see mm -hmm. this how are you gonna how are you gonna produce the the artwork like where is it coming how what's gonna be the print quality of it and that's something that really interferes with mm -hmm. the quality um, of the image that you're making and how it's going to be translated and sometimes you know like you might yeah. lose a bit of your your message or you might lose a bit of your mm. your intent in in that process if you're not really thinking about the yeah. outcome i think when i talk about things like that also when i talk about like the ethics of it i mean like because there's like so many people that do let's if we take like t-shirts for instance there's like so many quick and easy ways to get t-shirts made for you but like there's quite this idea of someone doing something for a political cause or for like a fundraising cause, but then they choose to use the cheap and easy option, which basically means that they're using sweatshop labor, which is basically like really unethical, uh, A, for the environment and also for like the human rights point of it, uh, where people that are like making these things aren't being like paid to live like a, a comfortable life. So kind of like that, if you, 
like actually look into it like that that kind of like really muddles up the messaging that goes on these like shirts so if it's like something that is for lgbt rights that we will be used in like a pride parade but then it's been used yeah. as like sweatshop labor i would just be quite like interested to know like so you did you graduate like right now like recently yeah right? like i think i got my grades like last week <laughs> yeah so i'm quite curious to know like what your you would want your like trajectory to be from now on and like what your like plans mm-hmm. are yeah i uh, that's a big question i think in the I'm sorry for dropping that on you, but I just, okay, I'm, okay. I'm just like very curious. Every time I meet like a new graduate, I'm like, what would you want yeah, to do now? Um, I think that when I was doing my placement year and really kind of like, because it's, it's one thing, it's knowing like what you like to do. Um, and another thing is knowing what you're good at, you know, and sometimes mm. what you like to do is not what you're the best at. And sometimes, I mean, usually those things would work hand in hand because because if you like doing something you spend more time doing it and you'll get better at it but in a sense of like finding jobs and stuff like that and especially with my practice I've been expanding way beyond just like pen and paper and I would do a lot of things like uh like videos and posters and sometimes like print stuff so I I didn't know how to pinhole myself into one singular practice um there's a lot of people in the course that are like really great at screen printing and they'll spend hours in the screen printing studios and doing a lot of that and I Mm. wouldn't spend too much time doing anything so it was very hard to pinhole myself to it so as I was doing the placement year and building my portfolio and kind of finding out like and going to interviews and showing your work to other people people will start putting you into categories like oh you know how to do this so you will be that so I think Mm. from showing my work to other people I kind of found out that I'm good in this like graphic design part and using illustration as a tool to kind of visually communicate ideas and tell stories in like a broader sense I mean in a more industry-like sense is usually uh, directed to brands but I think that ideally what I would like to take my practice would be to use this kind of skills to communicate stories and companies and organizations that I stand by and I believe in what they're saying. So like ideally working with, you know, like education, culture, institutions and stuff like that, but using the kind of tools that I have as a practitioner to facilitate that communication with the audience because it's such a like a powerful thing to have like to know how to visually communicate to people you know like you get you hit different spots in the audience and to be able to you know like find someone some company some organization that you believe in and that you have the same you share the same values and be able to spread their word to like an audience it's Mm. a really great thing and I think that's when I I would like like ideally to take it from from there. Hmm. I think it's quite like interesting this like um idea what that you compare it to what you want to do and what you're good at. I feel like as soon as you like relinquish yourself of that control that it doesn't matter if if I like what I do, that's fine. And then there might be other people that like what I do, but as long as I have at least like one project alongside my commercial practice that is the thing that I want to do that I have full control over that is like the genuine thing that is like me which is my identity I feel like that is like such a like strength to have for yourself because I think it will like make you feel happier to have some outlet to explore these things and like 
along the line, eventually someone will like look at it and maybe you will get a job based on the thing that you want to do rather than the thing that you think you should be doing to get work. Mm -hmm. And like I had an example of that that happened to me this year, which was really (laughs) funny, like because in lockdown around like Christmas, a lot of people were like really miserable. Uh, But my friend sent me this book, which was about like queer indie games online. And I got like really hooked and started like teaching myself how to code. But then alongside that, I just downloaded this like pixel art drawing app on my iPad. And I just did these like video game style like drawings. And then I got like a commercial commission from that because people saw it. But that was just something that I was doing because I was having such a like fun time just like playing around with these ideas that I've had since I was a kid about like making video games and what that art style will look like. And like eventually someone will like pick it up and be like, oh yeah, that's really nice. Like we would want something like Mm -hmm. that. So I think if that's like any advice I would ever give, it's like don't get too swallowed up in the thing you're good at and focus quite a lot on the thing that you want to do as well, especially as a recent graduate because there's like so much time to like change and now like I spent a lot of time like after uni like unlearning like a lot of things that I got taught in school that I think now are quite like toxic traits to have uh, when it comes to like achievements and what failure actually means to me now is a completely different when you're not like chasing grades and you're not chasing like the approval of a specific tutor who gives you these grades it's like you have this insane freedom in front of you now you can just like make up your own Mm -hmm. mind um if that makes sense. I hope that doesn't stress you out too much. <laughs> no, 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 that does make sense. And yeah, when you were talking about um, like getting into coding because you, you found the, you wanted to create like a video game and that really got, like he ended up getting a commission. That's very true also in a sense, like when, like when I was trying to get internships and doing interviews, like I, I would really make sure to put projects there that I was really passionate about. And people will really be interesting in hearing from you when you can see that you're passionate about something. And especially mm. in the beginning, I remember that a lot of people would tell me this. Um, in in internship, when you're starting, people are hiring you much more because of your ideas rather than because of like your abilities. Because your abilities, like you can learn. But who you are and, and mm. the like the drive that you have, it's kind of unique and the views that you have about a particular thing are very unique to you so like the 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 technical skills it's something that you can you can learn on the job and you can learn i think Mm, even the outcomes you know like when you do things because you're interested in it not because you need to do it you know it it's different it's lighter there's less pressure on it because you're doing it for yourself Mm. I think I, I cut uh, my like path in uni is probably quite different from mm-hmm. yours because I, I didn't really like have any like uh, placements or internships at any like professional. Um, and then I got like a part time job. So I was very focused on like earning money. So I didn't have to live off the two pound quiche Lorraine's at Sainsbury's all the time, um, which is basically what I did in first and second year. So I was like, not in like a like a good place like health wise probably <laughs> got like colds all the time but then when I like graduated I kind of like just stuck with this part-time job and like decided to just like take some time and like work in a cafe and like I got like a studio space and then I just spent like almost like a year just doing whatever I felt like that day I didn't really like have like a goal there was like, I need to prepare this portfolio to send out to these clients. And I was like, because I didn't, re- at the moment, I was kind of like confused and didn't really know what work I even wanted to begin with. And then like slowly I got like work with 
uh, different like queer venues in like East London and like I slowly started getting like a reputation for doing that and then I've, I've basically been doing posters for the past like five years for different like club nights and events and stuff um, and that eventually also like built up for working relationships with like charities and grassroots organizations and kind of just like happened naturally um, and it's probably why I'm in the position I am now and I run this youth group and like I work with I've been working with the Outside Project, which is like a, a queer homeless shelter community center project as well. So I think it's like allowing things to happen naturally without like planning them is probably also like a, a good thing to keep in hand. And like, because I think if you set too strict plans of what you need to do after university in order to like claim some form of idea of success, that only like leads to failure, I guess in a sense, because you get disappointed when things don't turn out exactly how you planned mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of like trying to draw yourself like a very clear pathway of like, I'm going to start here and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to go from mm -hmm. here to that. It's very, it's very frustrating because like, and especially like last year has proven that you don't have control of things, you know, like a pandemic can happen and you will, mm. you can never predict that in your timeline, which, yeah. And I, and, and, and even, uh, when I started out uni, I think I never thought I would end up where I am now. And especially like before starting, I had done like a graphic design technician course, which is like a, yeah, I don't know how to describe it properly. But, and I, I finished it. I'm like, never working with graphic design. I don't want to do that. Absolutely no. Mm -hmm. And then uh, throughout my path in uni and kind of, and very invested in like, just like classic classic illustration in the beginning and it, it's really a journey and as you said you need to kind of like allow things to happen you know like allow you to flow into your into your process and and kind of like yeah ex experience things for yourself and see what that leads you to because you will yeah it's, through practice it kind of like will will get you somewhere that you would not have never imagined and you only will get there if you kind of like start. But I thought it was really interesting how you said that you got, you start, you know, like you had this studio and you started working on what you wanted to do. And that kind of led you to starting doing posters for these events and stuff like that. You think like starting out working mainly with queer communities kind of gave you the space. Like, was that like a good way to, open space for your practice and to get to know people just like working in not a niche but you know like in a specific target audience or group yeah um i think i'm like very bad at like commercial networking um but i spent a lot of time i used to go to these like activist group meetings and i used to meet people there so i guess it was just like i kind of wanted to be a better part of the a bigger part of the queer community because i needed to i wanted to like understand it because i did quite a lot of like artwork that capitalized on the visual aesthetics of that so i kind of wanted to like feel like i was more a part in it giving something back so i kind of like sought that out on purpose and i think that was like a, a bit of a reaction from like when uh, donald trump got elected as president and that was kind of like a wake-up call for me personally um, which is like ages ago now, which I guess it is as well. But that kind of just like shook me a bit. And I was like, shit, I can't just like 
draw these like sexy gay pinups I always do. I need to like think of like other ways and other outlets and other people to talk to so I can be like influenced in a positive way. So I guess yeah, that I had I was that was very like intentional of me that I sought those people out because I, I feel like I decided that I was gonna like educate myself a bit more on that like subject. Mm-hmm. I want to ask like one question that was on the sheet of like suggested questions uh, for this project, and that was like I just thought it was like an interesting one, and it's like how do others perceive your illustration, or was it how do others perceive your what do you do for a living uh, practice? Yeah, how do others perceive what you do for a living? I I just thought it would be interesting to yeah. hear like from your perspective when it comes to like families, friends, and like people around you, social media. Yeah, <laughs> um, it really depends, I guess, who you ask. Like, because my father has always worked with marketing and advertising, so he kind of understands pretty like it's pretty clear for him what I do, and he always wanted me to. Like his lifelong dream was for me to work in advertising. So he's happy now. <laughs> um, mm. But like my mom, it's kind of, is for my mom is very interesting because I remember last year she was moving and I was, we were kind of organizing like my old stuff from my, from my room back home. And I had this, I have so many sketchbooks because that's what I would do throughout like my whole childhood and and teenage years just like I would draw I had nothing to do I would draw so I had so many sketchbooks and I was looking through them and I'm like oh my god I knew how to draw so well like especially like anatomy and stuff like that I would spend a lot of time drawing people and you know like really perfecting like the physical features I was like oh my god I used to draw so much and I would draw so well like this you know like very classic pens uh pencil drawings and my and I was like I, ca- I cannot do that anymore, you know. Like I cannot, I I I've lost practice working with like drawing people, you know, like um, perfectly, you know, like drawing people, you know, like anatomically correct people. Let's say, and my mom was like, "What do you mean? What do you mean you don't you don't you don't draw like that anymore? What do you mean you're not you're not as good? You're doing like what have you been doing for the past four years? You've been you've not been drawing. Like, what do you mean you don't draw like you don't draw as well now? And I'm like, yeah, mom, like I do other things now, and I work. You know, like I might not have the same drawing skills as I had before, but I think I have better I have better visual communication skills. You know, like mm-hmm. I can I can still illustrate things but in other ways that doesn't mean that i draw as perfectly as i did before so my mom doesn't really understand what i do exactly because she thought i signed up for an an illustration course and she thought like i'll be drawing like michelangelo for now so i think it's kind of like funny that like old it's a very like old-fashioned idea of what good drawing is and good drawing is like realistic Mm -hmm. and like anatomically correct and like proportionate and stuff and like that's uh, something that I, I don't think I've like ever really like got the hang of, but it's just interesting how that's yeah. like people who don't do illustration or like outside of that like realm. That's what they believe is like good drawing. Um, yeah, which is yeah. very funny. Yeah, and what do people think you do for a living? Well, I come from uh, a family of like I grew up on a farm. My dad is a truck driver and my mom when I was a kid was a kindergarten teacher and now she looks after um, like the elderly. Mm-hmm. So I guess they don't really understand what I 
do. But then I also, when I think of that question, I think of like the idea of like social media and what perception that gives of people about my life when it's not actually true. And I think this is something that now in regards to like COVID and stuff that I always give a full disclaimer to when I speak to like students or anybody. And that is the fact that like I might have like a certain amount of followers and I post a lot of things that make give people an impression about my life. But like the truth about like my year last year in COVID is that like I lost a lot of, like teaching job and I got like evicted and I was living as a lodger with my friend Charlotte and her two teenage kids for like a year before I could like stabilize myself so this like idea that of security and stable life doesn't really like exist just because you see a lot of fun things on like a social media account and I think that's like a thing that I think about a lot and a few years ago after graduating I bumped into uh, a girl from my old class in uni and she was very drunk um, at times. So she just walked up to me and she said like, oh my God, like you must be so happy that you get to do like the thing that you love every day. And I was like, who told you that? Because that's like not true. Because when you do like commercial illustration, you don't do like the thing you dream every day. You do things for like clients that are like, sometimes you don't even want to do it. Or like sometimes they are like fun projects. But like if I got to do whatever I wanted each day, it would look like completely different. Um, and I just think that's like a thing about like how people perceive or choose to perceive the things that they see on this like little screen rather than actually asking me about my mm -hmm. own life in person. Yeah. Um, yeah. You use kind of like um, your Instagram to kind of post the things that um, you do for yourself or do you use it more like, you know, like a showcase of your work for possible clients? Um, like a mix, but I think most of it is personal work. I think I just see it as like a sketchbook of development stuff where I like test things. I could look at them later. Um, or sometimes I make a comment on something political or in support of like a group or like a social issue. Um, so it's like a mix really. Mm -hmm. I tend to not think about it too much because when you get into the logistics of like planning a social media account you just like it just loses all of the fun i would say yeah i think as you said like using it as as a uh, a virtual sketchbook is it's a really nice idea and way to kind of like it's kind of like a public sketchbook because you know like other people will be seeing it besides besides yourself and sometimes that can be good you know like to get a different set of eyes on it um not everything you post is going to be perfect not everything you, you do is going to be like pristine it's kind of acknowledging that it's all a process you know like it's all a process and it's not a linear process of like when you start things are gonna not be as good but as you go along things are gonna get so much better and so much nicer sometimes it's kind of like a roller coaster and it's ups and downs and you have like periods where oh my god everything's incredible you're in like in a really good like creative rush or something like that and sometimes things are not gonna be you know like you're not gonna be as satisfied but part of the process is keep to keep going and to keep making and to keep doing it because it's you know like it's all highs and lows and and twists and turns i guess mm. i like post like a lot of things that i do even if i'm not like completely like happy with it because i do think it's important to be like let yourself go of that like urge to be a perfectionist all the time and like i think if you go through like my stuff like i have a lot of like spelling mistakes on my comics and like all of these like things that And when they're out there, I don't like stress out and like go to like fix them because I, well, no, what if someone sees that I can't write English properly? And I'm like, this is my second language. Who gives a shit? Like, and like, maybe I drew a weird nose one time or like that I forgot a finger on a hand. All of these things have happened. 
um do you know and they're out there and you can find them if you look through yeah. like, <laughs> social media account but if you start worrying about things like that like that's just gonna like mess up everything you do cool well um thank you this is a nice uh piece of conversation <laughs> even though i was sitting in my closet the entire time it was quite comfortable actually but I hope you have like a nice summer after graduating now and then you give yourself like a break and you can come back in like the fall being a bit more like energized and seeing what you actually want to do with the, your like time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, it was a really nice talk and it's really nice, you know, like knowing, you know, the process of other creatives. Um, I think it's always a great learning to have and seeing how everyone's experience is so different and kind of the the path that they personally had to get um, where they are now. And yeah, I mm. hope I can give myself a break and I hope you enjoy your summer too. And that, yeah, that's great. Cool. Thank you. Thank you both so much. It was such an interesting and rich conversation and I think it'll be a really amazing resource for our students and hopefully the wider illustration community as well. Um, you both told so many stories about your journey to where you are now. And I think the main thing that I took from listening to you was that it's just really important to enjoy all of those moments when things go right, but also when things go wrong and just appreciate them for what they are really and not have too many expectations because all the twists and turns are equally as valuable. So I just want to end with a huge thank you to you both, Fred Anderson and Katerina Bernardi, for coming to talk about your practice and experience of what it's like to be an illustrator in 2021. You can both be found on Instagram and I'll put links to your work and the beautiful illustrations that you both created for today's podcast into the show notes. I hope you both have a wonderful summer. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. If you'd like any more information about the podcast, you can head over to our website and find out more from there. <laughs>